This is In the Word, On the Go, the podcast where we look at one verse from God's Word for 10 minutes of your day. Welcome to In the Word, On the Go. I'm Champ Thornton, your host. Whether you're listening by yourself or with a family, this podcast is here for you to spend 10 more minutes in God's Word while you go about your day. In each episode, I get to interview one person about a favorite verse from the Bible. And today, you'll hear an interview I did with Tim Challies back in 2019, before COVID put this podcast on hold for a while. You may know Tim most as a Christian writer and blogger at his website, challies.com. He's also the author of several excellent books, including Visual Theology and A Visual Theology Guide to the Bible. These are both really helpful introductions to God's truth suitable for all ages. Tim also serves as an elder at Grace Fellowship Church and is co-founder of Cruciform Press. And you can read more about Tim and his writings at challies.com. And now, here's my interview with Tim Challies. Tim, welcome back to the podcast. Sure. Thanks for having me. It's one thing to be invited, another thing to be invited back. Right? <laughs> We're glad to have you back. I am looking forward right. to hearing what passage you have for us today. What do you have? Yeah, maybe a bit of an odd one. I was thinking of going to Matthew chapter 13, verse 57. And they took offense at him, but Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. So, Tim, before we get into like what these words of Jesus actually mean, why don't you set the stage for us? What's the setting? We're picking up in the middle of a story. What's that story? Sure. Jesus has been going through his itinerant ministry. He's been doing what he does, going from place to place and teaching. And finally, he returns to Nazareth, to his hometown. Hmm. When he gets to his hometown, immediately he starts getting these questions. People recognize him, and they ask things like, hang on a minute, isn't this the carpenter's son? We know this guy. Isn't his mother, Mary, his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, Judas? Aren't his sisters with us? Where did this man get all these things? And so there's this real doubt. Because they knew him, they really doubted that he could be anyone special. They've heard the buzz about him. Now that they see him, they realize, oh, it's just that, that Jesus guy we knew when he was a kid. Okay, so that's the setting. Let me just read it again. Uh, we're talking about Matthew chapter 13, verse 57. I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. It says, And they were offended by him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his household. So why does Jesus say this? What's his point? His point is that uh, we tend to overlook people we new or people who are very close to us. And of course, Jesus wasn't personally affronted by this. He, he wasn't out for recognition. He wasn't wanting people to stroke his ego, but he's just pointing out the irony that the people who should have known him best are the people who rejected him. They knew him, therefore they had reason to reject him. So what's a good takeaway of this passage then for us today? Should we expect to be treated poorly by those who know us best or what? how should we think about this verse ourselves? The way my mind goes, I don't really care about any of that. What I care about and what I see in this passage that I just found so enthralling is, is, is this. Jesus grew up in that hometown. He grew up around those people and around that family. And they did not know or they could not believe that he was God which is just fascinating to me. Now, one thing we see as we look through the history of Christianity, we look at some of those early fake scriptures, is they tried to make Jesus to be more than a human being. They tried to, to take away from his humanity by making him only God. So there's these stories of him doing miracles as a child. But the reality is Jesus was fully human and fully God. 
And as a child, he was seen as being a very ordinary child. Now, he wouldn't have sinned, but he wasn't doing these little miracles as a child, which is why these people could say, we know him as the son of the carpenter. We know his mom. We know his brothers. We know his sisters. I just find it so fascinating that they had grown up around Jesus, but it hadn't occurred to them yet, or it hadn't, it hadn't worked it out yet, that he was not only man, but he was also God. You know, if you've ever seen like very famous paintings of Jesus representing Jesus from, you know, hundreds of years ago, the great masters, the baby always kind of glows or even there's a halo effect going on. But this verse is saying that's not the case remotely. They saw him and they thought he's a normal human being. Right, right. It's just baffling to me. If you think about if you were to be able to, if you were God, you know, if you were the one making those decisions, surely you would think of a different way of bringing God to earth, right? Then in this, this packaging of a tiny baby who's born into this world, perfect, fully human and fully God. And uh, what a joy it is. You, you can see the, they're referring back to what we might consider the lost years of Jesus, right? You see Jesus as a boy, you see him as a baby, of course. And then he's a 12-year-old child who's, who gets left behind when his family visits Jerusalem. And then it sem- simply says that he submitted to his parents and he grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Now we get this little glimpse back there hmm. from the scene where they said, well, he's the son of a carpenter. Presumably he himself was working as a carpenter, working as a tradesman. And he was apparently just a very normal person. So even this son of God had to grow in wisdom. He had to grow in stature. And he had to grow in favor both with man and with God. What a remarkable thing. Yeah, and even the prophet Isaiah says that there's no beauty in him that we would desire him. He was very ordinary looking. Right, and as you said, he didn't have a halo around his head. Now, (laughs) surely, I mean, we know for sure that he was perfect, even as a child, you know, when Mary came in and something was lying broken on the floor and she said, who did this? And if all the kids pointed at Jesus, she knew, (laughs) you know, Jesus didn't didn't do it. Right. Right. She knew that. Um, So he was a perfect child. But other than that, he was very, very ordinary. And yeah, it's it's just fascinating and just, just an endless marvel of how God went about this plan of redemption. So as you've thought about this verse, and obviously you have, Tim, how has it affected you personally on a heart level? I just keep thinking that God's ways are so much higher than our ways. And so we think about that sometimes in in very precise aspects of theology or, you know, when you're trying to figure out the Trinity or something like that, but God's ways are better than our ways and they're higher, they're better. And um, again, if you and I had to plan out some way of reconciling sinful man to a perfect God, I'm pretty sure we would not have come up with a plan like this one. I'm pretty sure we could not have, but what a marvelous thing God has done in bringing his son, making him fully human so he could bear the sins of humans. Hmm but also fully God, so we could represent God. So, Tim, let me ask you this. How would those truths affect the way we pray to God? Yeah, well, we do pray to God. Generally, the pattern of prayer is to pray to God as our Father. Mm -hmm. But we remember that we pray through Jesus Christ, right? He's the one who's enabled us to have this relationship. He's the one who's a mediator between God and man. He's the mediator between this perfect God and these sinful human beings. So we know that as we pray, Jesus Christ is representing us as this perfect God-man. He's standing between us and God in his perfect divinity, his perfect godness, but also in his perfect humanity. And then I think there's such joy in thinking that someday we will meet Jesus Christ as a man, man to man, woman to man. We will meet 
our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who's bearing this flesh forever. There was a time he was not human. He took on flesh, but there will never again be a time where he's not human. He will forever bear human flesh. That's incredible to think about. And the fact that he would humble himself like that to meet us where we are. And when we pray, we know that he knows what we're feeling and has been there. And that is gives great comfort. So Tim, we've talked about prayer. We've talked about how the Lord knows where we're coming from and sympathizes with us. Let's do that right now. Would you lead us in prayer as we close? I really appreciate your being with us today on the podcast. Sure. Love to. Yeah. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you sent your son. And we thank you that you sent him as exactly the Savior we needed. We needed a Savior who was fully God and fully man. Thank you that Jesus Christ was willing to take on flesh to come into this world as the God-man who could fully take our sin upon himself, who could pay the penalty for it before you, who could die for it, and who could be resurrected to new life. And thank you that we have life in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening to In the Word, On the Go. For more information about this podcast or to listen to past episodes, visit wordonthego.net.